0: Ready. Welcome to episode 26 of the Go Get Em Agility Podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and I'm your host, along with my daughter Emma Hughes. Hi, everybody. Hi, Emma. Back in the land of border collie's. I saw one today. He was
1: huge. He's very cute. They walk around town all the time? Yeah. My friend has border collie socks. I might get you some. Oh, please do. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about today? Stay
0: work, which is so much fun. We love stay work. Stay. Stay. Don't move. Stay. 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 What's the difference between stay and
1: wait in your world? Um I think you have differences for them, but I I mean I guess I do too, but I don't really enforce it. So for me, stay and wait just means like, you know. Just stay literally wherever you are. Like, if you're standing, just stay there, little dog. Um, but, like, I know for, I think, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, yours was stay is like, you have to stay exactly still. And then wait was just kind of, like, hang around this area. Am I right? Uh, you're close. Okay. So, mine's the same, but my dogs don't really do the hang around thing. They just, like, they just sit there. So okay, let me, <laughs> I guess it's the same, even
0: though I don't really mean it to be. Well, let me clarify my weight because you're right about my stay. Yeah, I might be misremembering. My stay is do nothing. Mm-hmm. That is what my stay is. Don't move. Do nothing. Right. That's my stay. My weight is more like what I would put on a fence. Mm-hmm. So when we're in the backyard and I go through the fence, the dogs wait I see. Okay. As I pass through the gate, they're not allowed to come with me, but they can turn around and run back to the water. Bowl. I see. That's good. Okay. Right? So all fence gates are weights. All front doors are weights. All car doors are weights and all crate doors are weights. So those are permanent for me. And so what I want my dog to learn is that when I open the front door, You don't go dashing out, but you also don't have to sit in a frozen position. Okay. Which if I put them in a stay would be frozen.
1: Mm -hmm. So on the agility field, um, when you're at a trial, do you wait or do you stay? Like, um, and obviously I don't mean as wait as in, okay, you can go and run around the back line of the agility course. I mean it as like a, yeah, you can sit here, but like if you lie down while I'm walking out, it's all good. Um, yeah, I like, I, I actually prefer more of a weight than okay. I do a stay on
0: the agility field. The pause table is definitely a weight if oh, I say yeah. anything, although I prefer not to say stay or wait on the pause table. I expect the pause table have its own built-in wait,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but they could turn around on the pause table. They could do flips if they wanted to on the pause table. <laughs> lay down, stand, sit, whatever.
1: That's true. If anybody has tricks that they do on the pause table, let me know. Um, Cause I want to study you. I want, that sounds like so much fun. What? Um.
0: All right. So my <laughs> start line, while I call it a start line stay, I will do both. Okay. I'll do, especially if I'm going to reward them behind them, mm-hmm. I'll do a, more of a weight than if I'm going to do a stay.
1: Right. So, okay.
0: Yeah. My Starline stay, I, I definitely have a little bit more of a relaxed feel around whether or not I tell them wait or stay, but whether I tell them wait or stay, wait, as I train it up, wait takes on an, an invisible boundary. Mm-hmm. So if I'm walking down the street or walking down a trail path with my dog and my dog's in front of me, if I tell them wait They can no longer go forward. They can turn around and come back to me, but they can't go forward. Okay. All right. And if they were behind me on a trail and I told them, wait, then they couldn't come forward towards me because I threw up an invisible boundary. Right. They could go backwards. To whatever. Do they know
1: this? Well, I teach them this. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Dot knows this.
0: Does well, Elijah know this? He knows that he can't go forward with me through a gate. Or he's learning. He's still learning. He's still in the learning mm-hmm. But I did do some moving weights with him the other day. And he he nailed them.
1: Oh, good boy. For the most
0: part. For the most part. Yeah. Oh. And, <laughs> all right. So why is stay... So let's look at stay. We're not going to talk about weight, although I do sometimes train them similarly. But um, when we're talking about stay, we're talking about a frozen position. So stay in a sit stay or a down stay or a stand stay. However, I left you stay in that position.
1: Okay. I have the same criteria. So it's a frozen position. Yeah, but I found like Dot shakes me off. Like when I, because I carry her into the ring and I'll set her down in a stand generally. And then I'll say, okay, Dottie, stay. And then I'll walk out and she like does a little shake and like steps like one step forward because she doesn't like me touching her before she runs. (laughs) I think that's okay.
0: Yeah, I think the shake off part is actually important for some dogs to do. So- Um, I probably wouldn't tell my dog stay until after they did a shake. If I know that it's oh. habitual, if I know that, that that's their MO, they get off the leash, they shake, and then we start our agility start line, I would hold off on my stay until I knew that my dog had shook off. In fact, I'd name the shake and I'd teach them to shake on cue. Oh, that's cute. We yeah. should start doing that. Well, I do. I do it. You do, do a thought. Um, if I see her shake, I tell her shake.
1: Oh, that's so fun. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Well, it's how, and that. it's also how I taught her how to do stretches.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I know stretches. We do stretches. Yeah. So that's called capturing a behavior, waiting
1: for it to mm. happen, and then naming it. Different from uh, free shaping. Correct. It's natural.
0: Yeah. Um, here, are o- here are other captured behaviors pooping on cue. Mm. So when they start to wind up, I start to label it and drinking on cue yeah drinks
1: a good when one they, Drinks a one.
0: when i know that they're gonna drink i tell them drink so those are all captured behaviors
1: yeah you could all do right, it with like
0: howling too i think anyway yeah um yeah you could do it with howling i did it once with yawning <laughs> I, I taught my dog to yawn on cue and i knew exactly when he would yawn so i just started naming it
1: <laughs> that's good
0: all right. So let's stay on the subject of stay. Though. Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's one of the things I've got a few notes here about stay, but the first thing that I want people to understand is that when we're teaching our dogs stay, one of the things about stay that what makes it so difficult for dogs is that we're telling them, we're asking them to do nothing, nothing. Don't sniff, don't turn around, don't move your feet, don't do anything, do nothing. And dogs don't do nothing. They're always doing something. I go here, I go there, I look at you here, I lick you, I sniff, I do this, I do that. Dogs do not like
1: to do nothing. Right? Yeah, I agree. And... I mean, it's it's hard to teach them, especially I have a theory that, you know, dogs that stay in agility. So like on the pause table, they know that it's going to end eventually. Right. They know that the pause table they will anticipate the pause table right ending. So it's all good. They're like, yeah, I'll stay. It's it's exciting. But when you're first teaching the stay, you won't have any agility involved in it. And it's very boring for everybody involved. And you're very, like, okay, very let's boring. stay on the driveway here. And they're like, why would I do that? There's very, nothing in it for me. Very boring and
0: confusing. Yeah. Right? So Why we tell are you making them, me do this? Like, yeah, we ugh. tell them, come over here to get in the house. Come over here to get in your crate. Come over here to get groomed. Come over here to go back in the house. Come over here to get your leash on. Now, I want you to do nothing yeah what but i can't yeah. follow you but exactly i can't lick you <laughs> right? but you're about to go forward and i don't want to hang out exactly back without you they're so sad i they're love crying. you so much i want to be near you 24 7. oh don't leave me <laughs> this is what eli does Eli. <laughs> eli's crying right now i can tell <laughs> so how kidding. do we teach them <laughs> that doing nothing is worth it. How do Mm -hmm. we teach them that doing nothing is worth it? All right. I have a couple of things that are very, very important in teaching stay. First off, get the behavior before you label it. That's what I like to do. I like to get a little bit of behavior going before I label it. There are three things that I think are very important for a solid stay. Number one, the dog needs to learn a clear, verbal-only release word. And now you can do a hand gesture as well, eventually, but if you want a solid stay where you can leave them, you don't have to go back and touch their head to release them. So that's a big thing. Did you know that? So here's a difference between stay and wait. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is, I heard this a couple of years ago. I'm like, oh, no wonder this stay is difficult for your dog. <laughs> um, so they tell you, you tell the dog to stay. And instead of doing a verbal only release or a hand signal release towards you, the release for the dog is I go back and I touch your head. And that means that you're
1: finished oh well which that makes doesn't... sense for like i don't know confirmation or something i don't yeah, know or i'm obedience. imagining yeah maybe yeah
0: where you're not releasing them towards you right So yeah that makes perfect sense for obedience but in the agility world it gets confusing so Absolutely. you could essentially you could essentially teach two different types of stays you could teach a stay Which in some people's worlds, that is the difference between stay and wait. So you could teach a stay where the release is I go and touch you. And then you can teach a different word with different criteria where you hold that same position until you hear the word break or release or okay. So it's just clarifying for the dog. Do nothing until I touch you or until you hear the verbal, okay, what makes it difficult in agility, lots of things make sit stays difficult in agility, (laughs) but one of the things that makes it difficult is that we pair the release word with motion, with movement, or with, with a hand signal and the dogs are so stinking perceptive that if they're paying attention to you, they look for the most minute motion that also indicates that precedes the verbal release. And so then they just start releasing on that motion. And some people, I mean, dogs are very, very clever. Some people are probably releasing on intake of breath release, right? Okay. And so the dogs start releasing on the intake of breath. Um, They also, if you videotape yourself and, and really look at what is going down with your body language in relation to when the dog's actually starting to move, there's probably an element of physical motion on the handler's part that precedes the verbal by a
1: millisecond. Well, that's all the dogs need to be, and if they're perceptive. Yeah. You see that all the time in agility with people who have very excited dogs and they start to raise the hand, right. To do the, okay, to tell them this is the obstacle we want you to take. And as soon as the hand comes up about six inches, boom, dog's off. Right, You know, the dog's running and they didn't even say release or whatever their word is. And you know, at that point, it's actually worse to have a stay because now you're caught flat footed and right. your dog just released themselves and it's like, well, wait a minute, guys, we didn't plan for this. Yeah, they're they're over obstacle two before you've you've even left obstacle one. I have a question. Why is it beneficial to teach stay and agility? I I mean I'm a big stay advocate, but I have seen very, very many people um be successful with having no no stay no start line stay at all so how does this make us more competitive in the agility world
0: oh well that's a great question and no you don't need a stay in agility you can get by without a stay but But, it's
1: fun if you have one
0: but there's so many positives to having a stay beyond the start line so i think the start line is the most obvious reason that you would want a, a stay is so that you can get an eight foot, five foot, even a two foot lead out to offer help further down the the course, right? So if you're going, if you're leaving the start line at the exact same time from equal distance from the obstacle, right? So you're both facing the obstacle and you both leave at the same time without a start line, As the dog gets in front of you, they automatically start to curl into you for most dogs, especially most untrained dogs. And so they may not even be focused forward enough to even grab the first obstacle because they're already curling in on their handler. Now, a more educated dog is going to know that the obstacle that they're facing is likely the obstacle that they're taking. But by the time that the dog gets out of the tunnel, depending on the shape of the tunnel, the handler's still behind. They're curling back in. So if you don't want a start line stay, then you need to train in other handling skills and dog skills to to help compensate for your lack of a start line stay. So you need, or
1: to- you have to get some really, really, really good running shoes. Very good running shoes, like yes. really good.
0: Well, I don't even think running shoes are going to help you. <laughs> you need to learn how to run if you don't have a start line stay. I, well, <laughs> or teach distance, teach mm, a salon, oh teach obstacle independence, which literally takes hours and hours and hours of training. Yeah, years. Yeah. Um, to make it effective over 20, over the duration of 20
1: obstacles. Yes. All right, and it's not even the start line stay. It's it's if you have stop contacts as well. Well, okay, so yeah, um, your question tiers, was you have a, what's it called the table? You know all these yeah. things that so, affect you. So your question
0: was, do you need a start? Do you need a stay in agility? And no, you do not. But the start line is just one place where it benefits you. Benefits most people, I. Uh, dog walk catching up on the dog walk stay at the end unless you have a running that's different but if you have a stopped contact stay at the end until i get there that's a little bit more like a weight right like mm-hmm. forward motion until i get there teeter hold forward motion until i get there a frame hold forward motion until i get there and then if they if you do get there and they release on motion. Again, you're caught flat-footed. Potentially, you if you had a stay or a solid weight, you could lead out another eight feet in front of them before you release them to continue on with the course. So, the stay or the weight on contacts allows young handlers or new handlers the opportunity to get in front of their dog. Even even seasoned handlers, if you have a stop contact you want to utilize that forward distance before you release your dog to help you further down the lane. Another place the pause table, right um, and just basic impulse control, right like stay teaches control your body, control your impulses, control that that a uh, uh, vibrating body that you have and hold still. Here's another place that we want to stay, or at least a hold still is when they're getting measured, right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. They need to be measured two, three times. And so if they're wiggly, you could get a poor measurement, end up in a jump height you don't want. And and the just the calmness that the dog can have of not being over aroused by somebody touching them or over or fearful. Of somebody touching them, right? They have some command over what their body's doing. So those are all the reasons that I think a stay is very beneficial in agility. I agree. All right. So, but I started with I started with the three things that you need.
1: So oh, me, sorry, I hey, got no, you. We, 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 we went on a,
0: there. Yeah, went on a little bit of a tangent. All right. So here are the three things that you need, I think, for a solid stay. You need a very clear. Verbal release word. That's number one. You need to feed for position. So if the dog is in a stand, that's where you feed them. Uh, you don't release them towards you for the cookie. So you feed them in position, the stay position that they're in, sit down or stand. And how you feed that can directly influence whether or not they're able to stay for another repetition. That food that you are giving them while you're feeding for position, here's number three. It's not the end of the behavior. It is only a that that gives them information that that what you're doing is correct. But then from there we immediately need to reset into another one. So the food does not release them. And that is a transition, that transition between being fed and holding still is a learned behavior. Dogs have to learn that even though they were fed, it doesn't end the behavior. The cycle repeats itself until the verbal release word. So in the early, early, early days of training, even before you've trained your release word is you want to train, you hold and I'll bring you another one. You hold, and I'll bring you another one. You hold, and I'll bring you another one, and that early stage of learning that, it's what I call getting your foot in the door. So you're doing rapid fire cookies. Bam, there's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. one. So that they want to stay in position because another one shows up immediately, and then another one shows up immediately after that, and then another one shows up immediately after that, and when you start to get to the point where you're ready to release them, you release them, you give them the release word and then reward them again for the release word, not for the stay, because we want the release word to stay strong as well, right? Otherwise they get sticky on the sit stay, they get sticky on the start line, they get sticky on the pause table, they get sticky on their contacts because the release word means the end of cookies, Well, it can't mean that either. So you want to train two separate things. Okay, equals get a cookie from my hand and stay means I'll bring one to you, right? So they're two different things and you can train them completely completely separate. So you don't even need to include the stay part in the release word training. You can just say, okay, and hand has a cookie ready for them to grab a cookie from. i like to i like to use um when i'm doing impulse control training for jumping up that's a great place to teach the release word so you teach them not to jump for a cookie when they don't you bring it to them and then when you're okay with them jumping up okay and they're allowed to
1: jump up and get the cookie so that's one place that i train a release word Oh, so I'm ruining that. Because I let Eli jump up on me whenever he wants. I see now the brains behind the operation. I see it. yeah. And uh, that is biting me in the butt a little bit. Oh. It's
0: been jumping more and more on people. Oh, no. see i'm gone now so it doesn't matter i'm like yeah
1: go have fun with your dog yeah i also taught him to jump into my arms maybe a little prematurely and does uh, he guess it now does he like throw himself at you now when he's confused no no he hasn't been doing that but he definitely is more upward than he was prior
0: (laughs) Uh, all right so three things solid verbal release word feed for position reset after reward so the reward does not release them. The reward merely resets them for another round.
1: That's a really good rule of threes. You had three words for three rules. Don't you know that that's the how people... I thought work. that was good. Well, it's, you know, it's the most common repetition in English um, literature is the repetition <laughs> of three. And so if you, you know- say, I have three dogs, Millie, Dot, and Jinx, and Eli now, I guess.
0: <laughs> we have four dogs.
1: And well, Yeah, you- but anyway, yeah, for English people, uh, three... For repetition anyway continue on
0: and did you know that's the same for comedy oh yeah so if you watch a comedy st- skit they'll bring in the punchline three times oh i didn't know that that's well, good there to know. you go I'll look for that now uh, jimmy fallon taught me that oh the well, more you know <laughs> or no maybe it was seth meyers anyway one of them taught me that let's talk about a couple of the reasons why dogs break their start lines Especially, I mean, in agility, not not in training, but in agility, specifically in agility. Here are a couple of reasons that I have. Dogs are not comfortable with what is behind them. So usually there's a leash runner behind them. Usually there are dogs that are waiting at the start gate behind them. Usually there's people on the sidelines behind them, the score tables probably behind them or at least you know off to the sides behind them. And 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 with all that behind them, you're abandoning them. You're leaving them to to deal with all that all by themselves. So I'm going to put you in this day. I know there's lots of stuff behind you, but I'm going to abandon you now and I'm going to go out two obstacles. If they're not trained and comfortable with what's behind them, they're likely to break their start line for for the mere fact that they're worried right they may know a start line really really well but they're worried and they just can't do it they can't they can't bring themselves to be in that much danger and so they run to you or they drop their nose and they start sniffing because that's the only way they know how to cope or they stand up and shake because that's the only way they know how to cope. So teaching them that it, that a leash runner will be behind you, that they may be looking at you, they may not be looking at you. Sometimes, so I've seen people, leash runners and bar setters, um, that turn their back on a dog like, I don't want to disturb them. I'll turn my back on them. And dogs are like, what is that? what is it and then the person turns around like oh it's a human oh thank god and because they're not <laughs> they're not sure what it is because they don't normally have people turn their backs on them that you know in a normal scenario right um and so sometimes i find that that actually can be too weird for dogs when people turn their backs on them just stand with their face to the wall like it doesn't make sense to a dog it's not normal it's not natural
1: especially yeah. if they're wearing a hat
0: I mean, it's like, it's like somebody walking in the elevator and staying at the back wall facing away from the door, right? You walk in the elevator and go, what is wrong with you? So, but, you know, dogs are very perceptive and, you know, normally we don't face walls when we're stood there. So mm-hmm. I actually think that that can make it weird for the dogs. But anyway, just teaching them that there's a person behind them consistently, because that's what leash runners do is a beneficial thing. And that brings us to the three D's. Three. Again, three D's. I mentioned it in our last podcast. Do you know what they are, Emma? Do you remember? Oh, it? no. I should have been taking notes. Um. All right. Every trainer. Determination, uh No, the three D's. Distance. Oh. Duration. Distraction. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Okay, so... the the leash runner is in the distraction category and the further you get away from your dog is in the distance category and the longer it takes you to release your dog falls into the duration category so all three things are at play in a sit stay in a start line stay and when you're training them up you, you want to try and Keep all of those to a minimum and build in one after another. So if you have a high level of distraction, don't go as far out in your lead out. If you have, if it, if something's taking a long time, like the bars didn't get reset right, or they forgot to change the height of the A-frame, don't stay out away from your dog for a long duration, or don't even make them stay in the sit during the entire time that they change the a-frame some dogs can handle it dot could totally handle it right oh, she'd thanks. stand there
1: she'd stand there. if i stood next to her if you stood next no there. not you if i stood next to her <laughs> all right there's <laughs> no you in this scenario <laughs> i and, and i think she
0: probably would stay even if you went out a distance because she's she doesn't
1: worry about the 3ds right, right. well she's old now she's seasoned she right. knows the game she knows right. she's going to get released eventually
0: right And so, but those 3Ds are really, really crucial in the early days of the stay work. And then if the stay is not very good, then the 3Ds play in even more, right? Like the stay is not very solid. And you have kids that just came running in the door, you know, to see grandma's Mm -hmm. dog run. I don't know. Uh, So anyway, the 3Ds distance duration distraction keep one keep two low while one goes high and then build in so so do them all three separately work your distance don't do it for very long work your duration don't go very far work your distance wait <laughs> <laughs> okay we well, only do one at a time so if your distance is quite far low distraction low time frame if your duration is quite long, short distance, sh- low distraction. If your dis- if your du- distraction is high, short distance, short duration. Does that make sense? That's good, I like that. And then you build them up. So yeah. now I can do much further distance on Eli and have the duration last longer. So I can walk out 10 feet, and hold there for longer than I could four weeks ago. Nice, I'm so proud of him. (laughs) All right, so those are the three Ds. Three things are release word, feed for position, reset after every reward. And then the three Ds are distance, duration, distraction, work within that framework. Don't go too hard, too fast. All right. So yeah. what are ways that you can actually train a stay?
1: Oh my goodness. I, I like stay proofing. That is my favorite. So when you have a stay, but maybe it's a little bit shaky, maybe your dog isn't, you know, great at the, you know, distraction thing. And I believe uh, we might've talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. We did a pull podcast and this is relevant. I promise. So when your dog is in a sit stay, do weird things, just like sit on the ground, you know, face them, do a little spin, do a little that's hop all, in the air. Yeah, that's all distracting. See if they stay, and if they stay, feed them a ton for it because it's really weird. And the but, but way wait, the reason wait. that we're teaching this is because it is so weird that they're never going to see it in a trial, and they're not going to be faced by anything in a trial because they're like, oh well, at least she's not sitting down in front of me and like eating, so it's all good. Okay, but you've gone beyond. How do you get there first? Oh well that I like jumping around.
0: If you jump, uh, they've already got the stay. Now Emma's Yeah, it's you. a shaky stay. It's how to proof it. Okay. So but we need to know how to get the first stay,
1: how to get the second stay. Uh, shall I stay. shall I do that then as well? If you have a mat that you're working on or like a little placement thing, um, what's it called? The platform that you have Eli go on, that can work as well because it's a designated platform that he knows that is his stay place or that he's going to start to know as his stay place um don't have to do that that's called whatever that's called
0: station training yes and station training is a great way to work
1: some stay work definitely um yeah and it's it's good because it uh it gives them a designated spot to stay anyway and that that elevation the elevation that a
0: table does or a station does, or even you can even use your dog's bed, a cot. You can use an ottoman. Anything that elevates them, they're more likely to stay on that than take a step off. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it's bomb-proof, but it's a great way to put them in a camp chair. There's the beginning of a stay, right? Mm -hmm. Put them um, on something and reward them for staying on it. Right? right, You don't even have to go for position yet, just reward them for staying on it. So that's definitely one way. But
1: that wouldn't be my first way. No, no. But I'm saying that if you have something like that that you would like to introduce, now is the time to do that. But my the golden rule for me personally of the stay is don't have a leash. Unless you're in like a public place, if you're doing this in the backyard, don't use a leash to teach them how to stay. Right. So don't tie them to a fence. Tell them stay. Oh, great. She's got it. Don't do that, in my opinion. Go off Um, right from the beginning because it's totally doable. Okay, so the first
0: thing that I do is I teach the the reset. So if they're just in my kitchen, then I feed them. them And if they don't move, I feed them again. And if they don't move, I feed them again. And if they don't move, I feed them again. And then I throw my release word on. So that's the very first thing I do, especially in sit and especially in down. OK, so this is just one way. I'm not actually even teaching stay. All I'm teaching is if you hold still, I'll bring you another one. <laughs> that's all I'm teaching. So it's kind of happenstance. And if they do it, awesome. If they don't, I don't care because I'm not teaching stay. I'm just seeing the 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 level of stillness that they may or may not have. So that's that's what I do right from the very beginning. And if they stay still, I'll go ahead and feed them again. But I'm not introducing the word stay yet. Then I also do that in heel position. So I put them in heel position. If they stay in heel position, I reward it. I reward it. I reward it. I reward it. Not even working on my stay, just feeding for position, feeding for holding in that same position for another cookie and for another cookie and for another cookie. So the reload part, the reset part is one of the ways that I start to install my stay. And that's just getting a little baseline. That is not actually teaching stay. When I teach stay, one of the first things that I do is there, I reward them for holding that position for, they sit, I feed them. If they hold again, if, I feed them again. If they hold again, I feed them again. And then right as they're starting to hold position more and more, then I start to hold a cookie out where they can see it. And if they get up for it, they raise their butt off, then I immediately remove it out of their ability to get it. But if they don't move within a fraction of a second, especially on the very first one or two, three, four, On that very first one, for a fraction of a second, they don't go for it. I bring it to them. And again, then we start that reset. Hold while I take the, I I give you the cookie, you hold still while I go and get you another cookie, right? And then, so if they hold, I give them a cookie and then we try the whole thing all again. So giving them the cookie does not release them. Giving them the cookie is just an interim to do it again. So that cookie starts another round of stay sitting and I'll bring you another one. Do nothing and I'll bring you another one. Do nothing again and I'll bring you another one. But this time I'm going to show you what I'm going to give you before I give it to you. So I put the cookie out where they can see it. And if they don't go for it, I bring it to them. And it's that bringing it to them that has to be very, very quick, very precise in your location of getting it to their mouth and not allowing them to come into you to
1: pick it up. Does that make sense? And then, yes. Annette. I say that like, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so it's it's in incorporating the hand movement part of it, which is difficult for some dogs. Sometimes when the hand goes in and the hand goes away from their mouth, they move with it. And so I'm trying to teach them that my hand can move in and out and give you stuff, but that doesn't mean you get to move in and out. You can, in fact, do nothing. You can sit there while I hand feed you grapes and fan your little butt all nice and prince like or princess is that what you do to eli (laughs) right like do nothing and i will cater to you and i will reward you for doing nothing but again dogs don't do nothing they like to do stuff so teaching them that doing nothing is worthwhile takes time and in the very 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 beginning of doing it it takes precision on your part to get the cookie delivered to them effectively and to get your hand out of there effectively. Start the whole process again. And when you're, when you're finished, make sure you release them out of it and reward them one more time for the release. All right, so once I've got them doing that out of my hand, then the food starts to go onto the floor. So in the beginning, I may be um, sitting next to them or be very close to the floor already especially in downs. I like to do it in downs first where they're in a down and I put the cookies out in front of them and feed them a cookie at a time. Now, if they struggle with cookies on the floor, directly on the floor, then start with cookies in a dish or cookies in a bowl or cookies in a cup. And then all you have to do is cover the cup up. If you come forward, I'd cover the cup up first and then I'd remove the cup entirely um, if they were insistent. But they can learn to hold position even though there's an open cup of food protected by you if need be right there. And then eventually the cookies are exposed on the floor and the dog can hold position even though there are cookies on the floor. One cookie to start two cookies as they get better, five cookies as they get really good. And each time you bring the cookie to them, they do not go for the cookie. You bring the cookie to them.
1: Does that make sense? Was that a question for me? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: All right. So what happens if they do break? What happens if they get up? What happens if they start doing something? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh, there's a few different ways that that can go isn't there um generally i would say most of the time if you have a dog that enjoys doing agility uh which i would hope if you're but, listening to this podcast but we're not even going come to, to you we're not what? even doing agility yet we're still on the flat in the- oh well okay if you have a dog that enjoys being with you and knows that you have food right they'll most likely come to you so if they come to you I would do nothing, you know. I'd say, "Oh man, let's go back." You're jumping the gun again, Em. You because right now we haven't even left them. So what do you mean if they get up? Then of course they have nowhere to go except for go off on a tan on a. Okay, but let's say that you put them in
0: a sit. You put a cookie on the ground,
1: right? and And they get up. Oh, you yeah. You put your hand over the cookie. You don't let them get it. Yeah. You pick up the cookie. Mm-hmm. That's
0: exactly right. You
1: got to be fast though. So, You, well, you, you got to be faster than that. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> need to be watching your dog. So I say, save the cookie. Don't touch yes. the dog. Don't worry about what the dog's doing. Just save the cookie. Don't let the
1: cookie get eaten off the floor. Yeah. And don't yell at your dog. Nah. You know? They but don't they, understand they what don't, you're doing right now.
0: They don't understand stay yet. All right, so if they get up, if you as if as you put your hand out with a cookie in it, as you put a food bowl down with their meal in it or cookies in it and they get up, everything just gets taken away. Right? Like everything becomes inaccessible to them. And you tell them to sit again or you just wait for them to sit again. And when they do, yay, there's a cookie and we start the whole process over again. Or if they're getting more skilled, if they break, Cookie goes away, wait for them to reset, Cookie starts to go back down on the floor again. The main key when, when a dog breaks, especially when you're working with cookies on the ground or cookies out of your hand, that they can see and they can access, the main thing if they get up is to restrict access to those items. As quickly as you can, but without touching the dog. And they will learn, oh, if I don't move, it stays visible. And eventually it comes to me even better. That's number one. And if they break, sometimes just acting neutral, just remove the access to the reward and just act neutral like, oh, that's too bad. You don't get anything. I really wanted to reward you and now I can't. And I'm really sad about that
1: because you got up and start all over again. Mm-hmm. They will learn very quickly, I think, or at least in my experience, dogs that are really, really food motivated that really want that cookie, they learn quite quickly what the stay game is. Or at least they learn the beginnings of it very quickly.
0: Yeah, they'll either reset themselves or you reset them and start it all over again. So let's talk about if they do reset themselves, if they start to get up, but then they don't. Even if it's that, you mentioned earlier, it's okay if Dottie goes from a sit to a stand as long as she doesn't come forward. In the early days, I would reward that for sure. Now, if I'm going for a sit-stay, then I'm gonna make my criteria a little bit more more difficult but if i'm just working on hold still and they go from a sit to a stand but then they hold still i will reward it um that really depends on the dog though and that really depends on their level of training and if they're st- if they're starting to introduce that and it's becoming a problem right then then i will address it um if they're continuously getting up, they are telling you this is too hard. I'm not trained well enough for this scenario. And that's where I think we get into issues with agility is that we don't have a solid enough stay without agility equipment before we insert them into holding a stay For a high arousal, high drive game where we want them to chase us, right? They want to chase us already. We're telling them to do nothing while we prepare. And then they want to beat us. And so they jump the gun. And the inconsistencies in agility start to happen when A, we go on, B, we don't have a clear release word. We do release on motion. Um And two, that in general, their stays just aren't that solid all around. And we're making it more exciting for them to get up than for them to stay. That's all that's on my list.
1: But I agree. That is, I think that is one of the things about this podcast. We need guests on this podcast because we agree, really, on everything. We're just, like the same person. The way that you teach stay is the way that I teach stay, you know. Well, you started to go more into proofing of stay or,
0: or I don't even like to really call it proofing. It's more just raising the bar and making it more difficult for them and rewarding them if they get it right Mm -hmm. and lowering criteria um, or lowering the difficulty if they get it wrong. Right. So try and stay under their threshold if possible. But then sometimes you have to experiment you have to see, golly, can I do this? Can I go this far? can my dog handle this stay in, in this scenario? Mm -hmm. And, and I think for agility stays specifically, I really think that we need to go back to the three D's and look at, take a hard look at the distracting factor of, of agility and realize that we are abandoning our dogs in their minds right? We're abandoning them to deal with doing nothing all by themselves with a high level of distraction around them.
1: My stay proofing is really, you know, preparing for things that aren't going to happen in agility, but it's always so much better to be more prepared than less prepared. And I believe that Once you get to the point of stay-proofing, it becomes quite fun. And the whole reason for proofing these stays is that you over-prepare for something that's never going to happen, right? If I put Dottie in a sit and do a cartwheel, I can be pretty darn sure that I'm not going to be doing cartwheels in the middle of the agility field at a trial. But it makes her prepared for things that will happen like the judge blows a whistle somebody walks out she's like this is nothing compared to the cartwheel it's all good um and so that is the philosophy that i have stuck with for quite a while is to over prepare to overtrain not to the point of danger but you know if you can't do a cartwheel don't do a cartwheel <laughs> right but you can sit in a chair yeah you can sit you in a can... chair you can eat a sandwich you can you, you can throw things your- Hmm. What did you just say? And oh, I said you can eat a sandwich. You can do things, and it becomes fun. And I'm not saying that teaching this day itself isn't fun, but once you get to proofing, you can start to experiment a lot more, and it does make it more fun because you can say, "Oh, well, I wonder if they'll sit here if I roll around on the ground like a slug, right? Will they sit here if I go and make a phone call, right?" And so it makes it a little bit more exciting. Oh, you
0: brought up a really good point, making a phone call. Uh, so disconnecting from our dogs sometimes will cause them to disconnect from us. And so that is a really, really good one uh, is making a phone call. I When I take a photograph of Eli, he disconnects from me because I look at my phone. Right? So I'm trying to get focus of him through my phone. And when I put him in a sit-stay and I look at my phone, he disconnects. So I started to teach him that I, when I say smile, I'm also going to throw a cookie seconds after. So I smile, cookie, smile, cookie. And so now I'm doing two things. One, I'm teaching him to hold still and look towards the hand that's throwing a cookie which is towards my camera. But at the same time, and separate from that actually, is I'm teaching them that I can look at my phone and disconnect from you. And if you hold your position, I will undisconnect from my phone and connect with you. And so teaching them two things. Number one, if you have a dog that does struggle on the start line with their stay, try and stay in connection with them try and keep eye connection with them and off the agility trial start line, teach them that you can disconnect from them and they can still do nothing and be rewarded for it. You know, back in obedience days, we did a three-minute sit-stay that was across the room from them. And then we did a five-minute out-of-sight stay. And that out-of-sight is part of that disconnect, right? You're disconnecting from your dog. And when we disconnect from our dogs, they either think the behavior's over or they get worried that they can't do it without you. And so teaching them that, yes, I can disconnect from you and you can hold position while I disconnect from you. So turning your back on them, or even just doing a, you're doing a start line stay and you walk out and do a blind cross immediately, that disconnect can sometimes throw them. Mm -hmm. So in early days, instead of doing a blind cross, I'd do a front cross, right? Ideally, I wouldn't do any cross out of the start line, right? I'd be already on the side that I'm leaving my dog on right when I tell them stay. I agree. Let's just recap real quick the three things. So, okay, three things. Have a strong release word. Teach that separately from your sit-stay. Then add it into your sit-stay. Feed for position. So feed them in the position you want them to do. And that feeding them is a reset for another stay. So feeding them is not the release word feeding them is a reset to do it again. So when you feed them, after they've done taking the food from you, go ahead and tell them stay again if you've already inserted the word stay. If they're not even holding without the word stay, then get that first, then build in the word stay. And then after you have fed them, tell them stay again. Oh, other reasons that dogs break. I messed up. Another reason that dogs break is motion, our motion. So we have to build that into the stay immediately. So start motion ASAP. All right, then work within the three Ds, distance, duration, distraction. You know, motion is part of that distraction. Solid release word. And a clear release word that they can hear above the noise of the crowd.
1: Is that it? That crowd one is a good point because um, once, I think I've already told this on the podcast, but yeah, once Millie was at a start line stay and we were in a really, really, really loud arena and I told, I put my hand up, I said, Millie, okay, which was her um, break word, her release word. And she didn't move because she couldn't hear me. And I proved the stay so much that my arm coming up and waving to her wasn't enough to get her to come to me so i had to like shuffle forward two feet millie okay um and she still wouldn't come and we got it eventually i mean she eventually figured it out but um yeah and that's not to say that you should have a motion, because I would imagine that that scenario does not come up too much exactly. in agility, unless, you know, I mean, dogs are, agility is getting safer, dogs are getting older as they're continuing on in agility. Maybe your dog might be going a little bit deaf, but you can cross that bridge when you get to it. um And I would imagine that having a verbal for your stay is a lot more beneficial in the long run than a motion cue. Right. Yeah. No, you our trials aren't, that loud
0: that most dogs can hear their handlers but if the rain's going
1: right we get a lot of rain yeah on our rooms. if you're at like wao tryouts or something maybe you know if you're yeah listening to our humble podcast about to join the world team nice maybe you do have to deal with it can i say one more thing about the release word yes emma wants <laughs> to go to bed i am so tired it's it's 11 o'clock at night and i didn't sleep very well last night i don't know i just can't get to sleep. It's weird. Anyway, not that you guys care about that. They care. They just don't want to hear about it.
0: <laughs> they're like, whatever. <laughs> All right, so here's here's one more thing about the release word. Uh, so if you have a sticky dog and you're not sure if your release word is understood by your dog, here's a little test that you can do to see how well your dog understands their release word. Put them in a sit next to you. Reach down and pet them. Tell them they're cute little puppies. Then tell them stay. Don't move a muscle. And without moving a muscle, say your release word and see what they do. If they pop up, yay, release them. I mean, reward them. Yay, reward them. If they don't get up, you have a release word problem. And that release word problem will contribute directly to your stay problem. So, make sure your release word is strong and that they can pop up while sitting right next to you in a stay. They don't, you don't have to be out in front of them. That's it.
1: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Emmy. I love you. All right. I love you. Go get them. And goodbye. Go get them, agility listeners. I love you too. Happy training. Woof, woof. Woof, woof.